Welcome to the latest episode of our Sustainable Scotland podcast, a series which focuses on the people and organisations who are moving the dial when it comes to making the country a more sustainable place to live. My name is Stephen Emerson and today I'm joined by Gordon Reid, who holds a job title at Scottish Water of General Manager Zero Emissions, and David Ray, who is the Executive Director of the Edinburgh Climate Change Institute at the University of Edinburgh. Gordon, why did Scottish Water decide to embark on a journey towards net zero? Well, Scottish Water relies on the environment. Uh, We need Scotland's water to provide service to our customers. And we are already seeing the impacts of climate change and rainfall patterns, which can lead both to greater risks of drought, but also for intense rainfall that can increase the risk of flooding to our customers and our assets. So it's something we know we need to address. We also know that it's an issue that's important to our customers. And we took this into account in developing our 25-year strategy for the business, where delivering net zero emissions is one of our three key ambitions. Now, we're applying the United Nations guidelines on net zero, working to decarbonise our activities as much as possible, then sustainably sequestering those emissions we cannot reduce. So we are looking to address emissions from our operational activities, delivering water and wastewater services, but also the emissions from our investment programme, And we're the only water company that's committed to addressing our investment emissions. We invest some £700 million a year to maintain and improve service. And this creates a lot of emission. And what steps as an organisation are you taking to help reach this ambition? Well, to address net zero, you need to have people who focus on it. And my own role, for example, was created in response to the declaration of a climate emergency by the Scottish Government in 2019. Now, the first thing we had to do was to understand our emissions. Luckily, we've been measuring our operational emission activities for some 15 years and have been taking action to reduce them. We have significantly reduced leakage from our network and have invested on energy efficiency and renewable energy. And so far, this has reduced emissions by 45%, but we still have more to do and some of these remaining emissions will be very difficult to address. A particular challenge is process emissions from wastewater treatment. These are naturally occurring emissions from the biological treatment process. And we need to do a lot of fundamental research in this area to get a better understanding and also look to develop alternative treatment technologies to avoid their generation. We've only recently begun though to explore our investment emissions and we are still growing our understanding of them. We've developed a new measure, the carbon intensity of investment, and this is, this is in the range of some 200 to 300 tonnes of carbon for every million pounds of investment, which mounts up. We also recognise that delivering net zero is going to take time. And we don't know all the answers, and some of our emissions are going to be very difficult to reduce. Last year, we developed and published a route map to outline the steps that we're going to take to deliver net zero. And at the heart of our route map are four themes. The first is become more energy efficient because the best kilowatt is the one you don't use. We also are looking to use lower carbon energy products across our activities, not just in delivering water and wastewater to customers, but also how we heat our offices and fuel our fleet. We want to embrace low carbon construction with our supply chain partners. And lastly, we look to store away emissions that cannot be avoided. We recognise as well that we must engage our staff on this journey. Everything we do in our business drives emissions, so everything needs to be different in a net zero world. 
So this is clearly going to impact all of our staff and we need to grow their skills and capabilities. To help us develop the route map, we established our expert panel, which David is a member of, to give us guidance and to challenge our thinking. And it's been really useful to get external perspectives. The expert panel give us guidance and challenge our thinking. We invited a number of academics from a range of subjects, from carbon capture to process engineering, as well as representatives from other utilities and other parts of the public sector. And they've challenged us to look more at innovation, which will have a key role in delivering net zero, and also how we grow the skills of our staff and our supply chain staff. David, how's it been for you being a panel member? It's been great being a, a panel member and I, I guess the diversity you've got is is really impressive and one of the so I have a vested interest in it because all of our organizations are trying to do the same thing in Scottish water so learning about what you're doing so my university you know um, has similar challenges and so um, you're kind of you're setting the benchmark and exploring a lot of the same kind of uh, challenges that that everyone's got to face in terms of reaching net zero so yeah, it's really good just the, the, the openness um, that all of your team have in terms of taking our advice, reflecting on it, uh, bringing the context of where Scottish Water works right across Scotland. Um, yeah, it's a joy. Gordon, how is Scottish Water reducing its investment emissions? Our investment emissions come from three areas. The emissions associated with raw material extraction, the emissions associated with the manufacturing process, you're making concrete, making steel and pipes and pumps, etc. And all the emissions associated with construction activities on site and bringing the materials to site. Now, to address this, we're tackling it in three ways. First of all, we're going to be selecting low emission options. And in our designs, we'll be looking to design for net zero. We're also looking to procure low and zero emission construction materials and deploy low or zero emission construction techniques and how we build things on the site. Now, some of these materials and techniques such as off-site manufacture are already available and we're looking to use them more widely. Some, however, are still in development and we recognize that we're going to have to pilot these new materials as they become available to test them for suitability. And we're doing this already. Just this year in Glasgow, we've been trialing some low emission concrete that reduces emissions by some 80%. That was the first time this material has been used in Scotland. We've also been trialing some electric mini excavators for street works. They work well and are a lot quieter, so have less impact on customers. Gordon, how are you impacting on your supply chain and helping to influence a change in behaviour? Well, we recognise that we can't address investment emissions alone. We have to work with our supply chain partners to do that. And they've responded really well to our ask to work with us to reduce investment emissions. A plus for both of us is that reducing emissions can also often reduce the costs of a project. But I'll be the first to say that it does mean a lot of change for them and a need for new skills for their workforce. And to help this, we've established our Carbon Academy, which is going to act as a learning hub and a, an area where companies can share best practice. And we've had some really good examples uh, brought to the table by some of our supply chain partners which others are now picking up and deploying across projects across the country. And we're also building zero emissions into our procurement work. We're asking all of our suppliers to understand their emissions and then to work with us to see how we can reduce them over time. And David, why is focusing on the supply chain so important? Yeah, the, the supply chain's just 
it's crucial. And, and obviously, Scottish Water, Scotland cannot solve climate change uh, by themselves. You know, it's a, it's a global effort. And um, for all of our institutions, businesses, um, we have often quite long supply chains. There's a real opportunity there to, just as Gordon was describing, work with that supply chain to help them uh, become low carbon and approach net zero and make that resilient as well. Um, but there's also the real risk that if we just focus on, say, Scotland, that what happens is our emissions are offshore and what the atmosphere sees is, <clears throat> is no benefit, actually, in terms of tackling climate change. So it's crucial in terms of that, um, that kind of net effect globally to work with the supply chains. The other key facet of it is knowledge exchange. So actually, you know, what Scottish Water are doing is is tackling some really big challenges and learning things which everyone needs to know. Uh, so sharing that good practice, working with the supply chains about the realities on the ground, whether it's within Scotland, the UK or overseas, that's how we're going to do this in terms of uh, meeting the Paris Climate Goals, reaching net zero. So it's fundamental, not just the Scottish water, like I say, but the, the whole nation that we look outside of our borders as well as within them. And David, how is Scottish Water encouraging its customers to use less water? One of the simplest ways to reduce emissions from the water service is to put less water into supply, which means using less water. And we recognise that we need to do more work to reduce leakage from our network. But we also want to work with customers to reduce consumption. And I know that might seem a bit strange saying that in Scotland, given the rain that we sometimes get. But it is important, especially in a climate change future. Now, a lot of the water that's used in households is used in household appliances, and we would like to see them labelled for water efficiency in the same way that they're labelled for energy efficiency so that customers can make a choice. We've also got tips on our website on how customers can reduce water, and we're going to be expanding what we do in this area. And Gordon, what has been the challenges that Scottish Water has encountered when implementing its net zero strategy? Well, one of the big challenges has been about growing understanding. There's some areas of our emissions we've got a good understanding and what we have to do to address them. But there's others where we've got big knowledge gaps and we've got to work hard to address those. An example here is process emissions from wastewater. They come from the bacteria used to treat wastewater. So we need to learn how to measure them and how to operate our assets in a way that might reduce the risk of inadvertently increasing them. We can also look to understand how we could capture methane from the assets and use it for power generation rather than venting to the atmosphere or perhaps more fundamentally how do we deploy different technology to avoid producing them in the first place now this is going to be a multi-year journey for us to understand and start deploying this new technology so we need to start now and that's one of our biggest challenges is actually making sure we can get the, have the time and resource to address these difficult to reduce emissions and Gordon, what has been the reaction of Scottish Water staff to the Net Zero strategy? Well, it has been really enthusiastic. I mean, obviously, there's a very high public awareness of climate change through, uh, you know, likes of Greta Thunberg and David Attenborough. And our staff can also see the impact climate change is already having our, on our service. And they're really wanting to, to get engaged in this. Whenever we discuss the topic internally, we get a great deal of response and we're looking to build on this to help us deliver our net zero roadmap. Scottish Water is one of the country's biggest landowners, but how is it using this land to help the country reduce its emissions? This is a really interesting area 
We own a lot of land across Scotland, some 22,500 hectares. It's all leased out to either Forest and Land Scotland into a number of tenant farmers. And our first step is to understand the current levels of carbon capture on, on our land holdings. And we're doing this working with the James Hutton Institute up in Dundee. And this will then give us a starting point from which to build to increase carbon capture on our land. So what the example of that is we're looking to work with Forest and Land Scotland and our tenants to explore what can be done to increase carbon capture. Up at Catron with Forest and Land Scotland, uh, we're looking to see what we can do to increase tree cover there. And as part of that, we'll be consulting with local communities for their views. But it's not just planting trees. We have a lot of peatland, which also acts as a carbon sink. And we recognise that not all of our peatland is in good condition, and we're looking to restore all of the peatland on our land. And as well as carbon benefits, this will also help raw water quality. And of course, as well as capturing carbon, all of these activities produce wider benefits, such as increasing diversity. It can also help create wildlife corridors. So we're looking to work with adjacent landowners and groups like the Clyde Climate Forest to try to maximise these wider benefits for Scotland. Scottish Water is an example of a large organisation that is making real inroads with its net zero strategy. But what lessons can other organisations take and what pitfalls should they watch out for? Yeah, the main advice I would have is... Um, is don't do it in isolation. So one of the the, the great things we have in Scotland uh, with, with Scottish Water, obviously, they set up this advisory panel to, to make informed decisions and actually go in with eyes open in terms of the, the kind of um, the risks and opportunities uh, that they face. And one of the things is, is to learn through, um, through I guess, um, industry bodies, organisations in Scotland, like Sustainable Scotland Network, where you've got a lot of expertise, a lot of people addressing these same kind of challenges, so you can share good practice um, and often you know, get efficiencies from doing that. The other bit of advice I would have is really to make sure it comes from the top. So getting to net zero is going to require every part of our economy to, uh, to take action. And for any business or institution, it can't just be a kind of sidelined element that you tick off at the end of the financial year. It has to be mainstream throughout everything you do. That needs leadership from the top and it needs engagement throughout the workforce. So the kind of thing, things that uh, Gordon was talking about in terms of the Carbon Academy. So making sure the capacity is there throughout the workforce in terms of what needs done um, and how to do it. And also just that supply chain in terms of recruitment um, and the um, continual professional development, that all needs to align with the net zero strategy. So it needs to be a whole institution approach rather than just a niche um, that, like I say, uh, you know, is left to a sustainability manager rather than the chief executive. Thank you for joining us for another episode in our Sustainable Scotland podcast series. Thanks to our guests Gordon, David and Scottish Water for giving us a real insight into how a large organisation is shifting its strategy towards net zero. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast on Anchor FM or wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can let us know what you think of this episode and any others in the series by tweeting me at Stephen underscore Emerson.